The following is my conversation with Rohan Singh Volko. He's a PhD student at Materials Division in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at Texas A&M University. He's also a master's student at Computer Science and Engineering, a graduate certificate student at Geographic Information Sciences. Also, he's a speaker and executive vice president for graduate and professional student government, GPSG, and a president for Civil and Environmental Engineering Graduate Student Association, SIGSA. So here is my conversation with Rohan. Hey Rohan, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule to be here with me. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine, Amit. Thanks for inviting me. So I'd like to start with the, the question that I always ask is, how does it feel to be a civil engineer? Let me start from the beginning as to why did I choose civil engineering as a uh, preferred discipline when I joined an engineering school. So uh, I guess I was uh, in 11th grade or maybe 10th or 11th grade something. And uh, I grew up in a very small town in India where we did not have many infrastructure uh, development around. We did not have uh, high rises and we did not, did not have flyovers and stuff like that. Uh, so in my 11th grade, I happened to visit uh, Bombay or right now people call it Mumbai. And that was my first exposure to the bulk of infrastructure development that is happening around. Like I was looking at Everywhere I turned around, I could see some sort of construction going on. And then I was fascinated by the high rises. Uh, there was one particular structure, a uh, bridge, which connected two parts of the city. It was the Bandravalli Sea Link. And it uh, reduced the commute time by, I think, 75%, if I'm not mistaken. And the bridge in itself was an engineering marvel. So all of this, I was... Uh, also, uh, it also gave me a picture as to how important infrastructure is for uh, a nation's development, like for, to portray the development a nation is going through and the to portray the status of a particular community, how important the uh, infrastructure development and the kind of infrastructure you have is. And that is what prompted me to choose civil engineering as a discipline when I joined an engineering school. Okay, so your 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 trip to to Mumbai was was a big factor in in deciding uh, which discipline you're gonna choose. Yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah, it's it's quite interesting that um, you you actually went out, saw the world, and you felt like, okay, this is... There, is, there is still a whole lot left to see, Amit. I just saw one city. But hey, that's that's what, what changed your uh, your perspective and made you choose this career. So would you say that that was like a turning point uh, in your career or...? Not exactly. Means uh, So there have been a lot of uh, factors, different points in my life, which have influenced my decisions at right. various points of life. Right. But uh, if I have to pinpoint one turning point in my life, uh, and that is something uh, which happened after the 12th grade, uh, 
Okay. So back in India, what happens is uh, we have these competitive exams to get into engineering schools. Right. So the premium engineering school is the Indian Institute of Technology. Yeah, IITs. Yeah, right? IITs. A- everyone yeah. knows that. Yeah. <laughs> so I did appear for uh, the IIT examinations. I did not do very well, and I even appeared for other examinations, other for other different engineering colleges. I did not do very good in those as well. So what happened? I took a drop after my twelfth uh, standard. Okay. And I went underwent intensive coaching, or preparation, if you might call it, okay. for these competitive exams in a city, which was uh, quite far from my home. Like means if I, I my hometown is in eastern part of India, okay. and this city uh, people. Uh, it's called the IIT hub. It's Kota in Rajasthan. It's in the western part of India. Okay. And uh, when I went to that city and I saw the amount of competition that exists, that first of all that opened my eyes. Okay. And uh, I, to give you <laughs> means uh, I I might digress a bit here. Oh, but that's fine. So to give you an example. I remember my first class uh, in the coaching institute. I took it. I admitted. I got admitted in the first class. The faculty came comes up and the faculty mentions that. Uh, so the coaching classes uh, were, I think it was from eight a.m. to two p.m. daily, like six days a week. So wow. that's six hours. Wow. Yeah, and the faculty mem- uh, uh, faculty member they had come. And they were telling that uh, students, in order to get into IITs, they study for eight hours beyond the coaching classes. Okay. And so, in order to motivate us, what uh, they were mentioning was that if you want to stay ahead of those people who study for eight hours, you should study for nine hours. Okay. That's fifteen hours per day. And then means I although I wouldn't I would strongly advise against it, but I was so overwhelmed by the competition that I then and there it was a class of hundred students. Okay. And then and there, as I was sitting in the class, I thought my I thought to I talked to myself and uh, I realized uh, I conversed that if I have to stay ahead of these hundred people, I have to study for ten hours a day outside the coaching. Okay. So the competition is that this is just to give you a glimpse of the competition that exists. Wow. Yeah. So, but slowly and steadily, I started realizing that uh, I do have some potential in me. Like uh, as I already mentioned earlier, I come from a very small town back in India, and in in a small town, if you are decently good, people start telling that you are so good and all of that. But I I didn't completely always believe them. Right. But when I started performing well uh, in such an environment where so many students were undergoing such fierce competition, that gave me the confidence that maybe I do have some potential. Wow. So that I, I, if I have to pinpoint a turning point in my life, that would be the turning point in my life. That yes, I do have. Wow, that's uh, that's a good 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 self reflection. Uh, and uh, yeah, for anyone who's listening out there, so yeah, yeah, you, to anyone, yeah, to anyone who's listening, I wouldn't recommend studying for ten hours or sixteen <laughs> hours for that matter. It's not healthy. But yeah, that is what I did, and I uh, I don't want to do it ever again in my life. Let me put it that as well. Okay, so what would you say to people who just like okay? I mean, I've heard people start preparing for IITs from sixth grade, but I, I don't know. I mean, I just heard it, someone talking, but what's the realistic? What do a typical Indian do? 
uh, for like, for example, they want to go to engineering and they haven't decided which one, but obviously everyone's first choice would be to go to uh, elite institutions. So how should one frame their thought? Amit, I would like, uh, since you, you are talking about that people don't know which uh, discipline they want to go into, but they just want to do engineering right. and they want to get into IIT. There are, I, I personally feel there are specific reasons for that. Okay. Uh, first of all, IIT is your uh, like ticket to glory, if, you, if I can term it that way. It's your uh, ticket to glory. And because of the overwhelming population that India has, like it has nearly, I think, 1.4 billion people. Right. There is such competition with the uh, scarcity of jobs around. So people just want to get into places which can guarantee them success. Right. So that is why I believe that I believe that is the reason that parents and society puts so much stress around these exams from very beginning because they want their children to not face the same kind of difficulties that they have been through. Right. So that is why there has been like and I although I don't uh, I personally don't believe in like losing out your losing out on your childhood and starting starting to prepare from an early age. But I can understand where they are coming from. Okay. Like they just want their children to succeed and they do not have other options as well. Like if I have to t- take my hometown, for example, there are not many options other than a quality education that you can succeed in life. Okay, I think that's uh, that's the story of a lot of people, uh, even from where I grew up. That's like, yeah. Uh, you have to go to a good, good university that will get you a good job, good recognition, and a good diploma. So that's, um, I think that's a story of a lot of people from around the world. And what I want to ask you is, um, how how important is it to decide early um, in preparation? Like from, uh, for example, like you're in the eleventh or twelfth grade. So how early should you start? preparing yourself for to, to, to get through to this I mean it doesn't have to be IIT but uh, it might be any other schools that you that you want to go so how should one like for someone who's in the 11th or 12th grade listening to this so what should he or she think okay so this is where I'm at this is my first priority I would not I mean I would not lose my my whole time in studying because I got other things to do as well so how should from your experience, how should one actually plan their plan their day or plan their months, like or few years? Yeah, I. Uh, okay, uh, so I personally feel that is a decision which every person should make for themselves. Like, and I certainly don't believe that there is one size fits all kind of thing. Uh, I I think there are people who have different proficiencies. Some people might require just a couple of months preparation to crack the exam. Some people might require a couple of years preparation to crack the exam. Uh, What I feel, and I understand it's not easy for someone in the 11th and 12th standard. You are just surrounded with people who just want you to, either who are already on the trajectory of preparing for those exams, or like or society and parents who want you to prepare for those exams it is not always important uh, not always possible but i think it is important to have some sort of an understanding of yourself like where you stand 
what are your uh, like what are your proficiencies and uh, and it also it is uh, i wish i would ha- i had done that more it is also important to talk to people like uh, and not talk to not specifically your peers but somebody who has already been through that grind and uh, somebody who has who can share their experiences with you i think that is important to learn from others as experience talk to people i wish i had done that more i might have had a better perspective in life earlier on but talk to people gauge yourself and then come to the decision as to how much time you think is important for the preparation of the exam okay. and and, and uh, just to add on to that and while doing this it is very important to remain cognizant of the requirements of the exam like what is the syllabus you have to cover and what are the subject and also an assessment of which areas you are strong at and which areas need more working on so say suppose uh, there are three subjects which these exams are usually held on the physics chemistry and mathematics so say suppose if you are uh, good in physics and maths but not good in chemistry so you need to be aware of those things as well and then work on those uh, areas which need improvement especially chemistry since chemistry seems to be the most uh, scoring subject of these three okay that's 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 good that's good to know but you you pointed out a really important thing about self reflection mm-hmm. so that's a, that's a really important thing i guess and what did you do uh, like you self reflect so that you realized okay this is what i want to do and this is my path so what i mean what things did you do so if if i have to share my experience my experience has been very contrary to everything which i have mentioned uh so uh, amit there is one quote if i am not being wrong there is this quote ignorance is bliss right right so i personally feel that i have been uh, fairly ignorant all my life and being ignorant not in a bad way but being ignorant has helped me always be open to experiences okay like uh, since i was not very rigid that i have to do this or and i personally have i, I would like touch wood for that i personally had never uh, taken the pressures from others means i had my own set of pressures were always higher than the pressures which other levied on me okay. but uh, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, so yeah, you need to be open to experiences. Right. And I personally have always been open to experiences. And when you uh, talk about the exact point when self-reflection started coming in, right. it was again in uh, Kota, where I was so overwhelmed by the initially I was so overwhelmed by the competition, as I mentioned that I started competing with uh, others around me. I lost. or i forgot the fact that my biggest competition is myself okay yeah so and it is in that process that uh, i st- there were a few exams or uh, regular exams in the coaching center i did not perform very well and then i started to realize as because i knew that that realization had already hit in that i have potential so i started to analyze myself as to why am i not performing well i spoke with my parents and then that led to the awareness that maybe i am competing with the wrong people i should be competing with myself 
Okay. Okay. So, so what next? What did you do after that? So you you were in coaching center and you you had some self reflection and what did you do next uh, before you joined the university or before you started your first step as a civil engineer? During the remaining time in the coaching institute, I stopped comparing myself with others. Uh, means if I have to highlight a very small example. Uh, earlier, if I was stuck on a question, right. and if I had asked the doubt to the faculty in front of the class, and the class was like, "What kind of doubt is that? It's such an easy question." I used to feel shy, and I used to f- doubt myself that they are able to solve the question and I am not. That inhibition g- got away. Means if I am having a doubt, I am having a doubt. so that is how that is that is how the perspective change helped me that i was always competing with myself i always wanted to improve that my to, my today should be better than my yesterday wow that's that's a that's a good lesson for for people listening yeah, yeah. so i then i stopped uh, comparing myself with others as well i just focused on improving myself and doing the best to my abilities means although i will for the record i like to mention it to the listeners that i did not get into nit but i am happy and content with the effort which i had put in i don't think i could have put in any more effort so i don't have any regrets on that front that, that's uh that's a really important lesson that everyone should learn is like yeah you should try give your best and uh, have no regrets because everything is not in your control yeah that's that's what i believe as well okay so that was that was a good insight on especially i think 16 to 18 years old and yeah a lot of things are going on in your life at that time and adding this to that part is like it's a mixture of a lot of emotions and a lot of things are going on so yeah i think the, that was a good insight so i think that we moved to university so how was how was your how was your experience um Uh, like starting your undergrad and going through like every semester i think you you guys do semester right yes okay so how was how was it like how did it progress and what's your experience uh doing undergrad at um the university that that you went to it's jabalpur university so <laughs> i don't know if i should be saying out saying it out loud but uh i never wanted uh, the state from where i am my home state I never wanted I always wanted to move out from that state. Okay. Uh So for the record which state are you from? I am uh, my home state is West Bengal. Okay. So it's a state bordering Bangladesh. Okay, so that's the although it's West Bengal it's yeah. on the eastern side of uh yeah, of yeah, India yeah. so oh, that's yeah. that's the uh, British's gift to us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They had divided Bengal into East and West Bengal. So East Bengal is now Bangladesh oh. and West Bengal is now a state in India. Yeah. That's okay. a that's a lesson I learned today. I I had no I I always wondered like why is it called West Bengal and it's on the eastern East part of the yeah. country, yeah, but okay. So so you wanted to move out of of West oh, Bengal. West Bengal, but my engineering college jadavpur university is in calcutta or kolkata it's in the capital city of west bengal oh. so getting a uh, first i remember the first semester of my uh, undergraduate college i was not very happy <laughs> because i so wanted to move out of west bengal i wanted to just experience a different state okay. and experience a different culture but so the first first week uh, first semester sorry first semester in my undergraduate was not very i was not very happy 
means although academically i was doing quite well like uh, not to brag about myself but the first semester was the only semester when i uh, stood first in the class but still i was not very happy wow yeah but then i kind of made peace with my fate that maybe this will lead to good things okay and uh, then i just started enjoying the experience like because i always uh, civil engineering for me as i mentioned was a ch- by choice it was never by chance right so i started enjoying the experience i started enjoying learning okay and as and when i grew more confident as to i'm able to learn well then i started getting involved in different things in the colleges with different things i just mean like uh, co curricular activities nothing else okay yeah <laughs> So yeah just to, just to clarify that. yeah okay okay yeah i was going through your resume and something really popped out like you had some work experiences or research experience in your undergrad the first question i want to ask is is that common not really okay uh, again this uh, experience the research experience that you're talking about in undergrad this has also been uh, the result of being open to experiences like uh, if i have to i and this started very late very late in the sense i was well into my fourth year of undergrad like the final year of undergrad okay that is when an opportunity came by for me to pursue research in uh, like somebody had approached me they were looking for uh, team members if you may call it to uh, do some kind of research and maybe publish a paper here and there so the opportunity was presented and i just happened to be there at the right time and grabbed the opportunity with both my hands and then once i grabbed the opportunity i didn't look behind i just uh, delved into the research and i i started again i started enjoying the research as well and that uh, yeah uh, that is how i got into research like it was an opportunity presented to me and i took it okay so if for for example if someone more in your shoes like uh, 10 years down the line is uh, looking for something like that what should one look out for or how would they get into contact with people like this where they can do research in an undergrad which is not fairly common in in a lot of places that i know even where i did my undergrad research in an undergrad was was like uh, unheard of so if somebody wants to pursue research when they are in undergrad my suggestion to them would be to uh like uh, have a list of potential faculty members they would like to work with like uh, put in their department like and so okay let me uh, let me go down the if i would have started my undergrad today what would i have done let me let me put it that way okay so if i would have started my undergrad today from the first year onwards i would have started looking into the profiles of the different faculty in my department and then once i've come up with a list of faculties that these are the three or four potential faculties i would like to do research with because we share common interests and stuff like that then i would approach them now one thing which uh, faculty are really very about Uh, when it comes to uh, doing research or collaborating with undergrads is that 
a lot of undergrads, there are quite a few good number of undergrads who approach faculty members. Okay. And then faculty members do understand this point that this is just a momentary interest. And once they start uh, working with the student, the student will lose interest. It happens. But the student, uh, if like they need to be persistent with the faculty. They need to keep on approaching the faculty and show promise. Okay. So you need, you need to show promise to the faculty that you are really willing to perform research. And then maybe and also go beyond when you're researching about the faculty. Like go beyond just the website of the university. Read a few research papers. Or maybe if they have uh, delivered seminars or talks somewhere and it is on YouTube, go and watch those videos. Learn more about them. Just don't learn the one paragraph which is written on the websites uh university's website okay that's uh that's a good insight so what basically you should do is is get to know the people that you want to work with uh, with uh, in in depth so and show that you are interested than your peers Mm -hmm. and make sure like you are dedicated and you would not just run away on the first week so that's 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 what they're looking at yeah i I have something to add on that amit as well like and once you are well into your research what i would suggest is uh, for students especially in the summers to look for opportunities outside the university like there are different opportunities which are offered by maybe some other uh, university in the country or maybe even abroad like i know i have i know people who have come to texas a and m uh, for a summer internship or a summer research experience and then they have joined here as phd students so being open to those opportunities as well, like going abroad or even not not necessarily abroad, but going outside the university you are in, it is very important to expand the circle you are in. Don't be always confined, just be confined to the comfort zone you have established for yourself. Okay, that's, that, that's, a, that's a really good insight. And so, so this is in addition to what you are doing or what you're expected to do, uh, like go to classes, pass exams, right? So this is this is in addition to that. So how hard how hard is it to do that? I have uh, read about Mahatma Gandhi. Okay. And one thing which Mahatma Gandhi always uh, he never said it out loud, but one thing which comes out from reading him is that he always chose his battles. Okay. So we need to. Uh, fix our priorities like what are priorities what are our priorities like if our priority is uh, doing research then we should be fairly comfortable with the examinations taking a back seat and if you are able to manage both of them at the same time well and good but this is for students like me who are not able to manage both at the same time so you have to choose your battles, fix your priorities, and then take it from there. Means uh, you cannot do everything. Means can I should not say cannot. Means I, it's, that would be limiting someone. But it is not very easy to do things in parallel with the same intensity. Okay, just just a, a follow up on that one. So, from your experience, how important? is that how important is academics uh, from where you're sitting at right now in your life uh, as compared to the extracurricular experiences that you just mentioned for one's progress in life or for, for someone to do good in life? So is academics as important as is, is it 
portrait or is it just like something you just need to tick a box and move on my personal again uh, like this might sound contrary to my previous answer but my uh, personal opinion is that you need both of them okay like uh, i i really enjoyed studying civil engineering back in my uh, university and i think maybe that is why it is easier for me to tell that both are important maybe for someone who doesn't really enjoy studying civil engineering or maybe for that matter their subject uh, it might be difficult for them to do both but in my personal opinion i think both of them is important uh, and co curricular i feel especially from people in our part of the world co curricular is looked down upon uh, i i am a huge proponent of all these co curricular activities like being involved meeting people it is not just the things which you do it leads to so many intangible benefits which you are not able to see but you when you move on in life 5 years down the line when you reflect and then you see okay this is what has uh, this is what this particular activity helped me gain so i am if somebody is asking me i would say both of them are equally important although sometimes one thing will take a priority the other will take a back seat that is for the peop- the individual to decide but uh, you need to one needs i i i would say one needs to balance both and then in addition to those uh, research experience uh, you seem to do a lot of volunteering leadership and service mm-hmm. in your undergrads mm-hmm. how did you get into that is that a part of a co curricular activity that you thought would uh, is good or how what did what inspired you to do that this this has been with me since school amit high school okay so in high school as well i was uh, always involved in different volunteering uh, events and i also happened to be the uh, captain of my school when i was in 11th grade and i all i i thoroughly enjoyed those experiences and one thing which i realized again this comes from uh, self reflection is this these volunteering things always gave me joy and it is um, if i have to put it in one way it is allowing me to be a part of something which is bigger than me wow yeah and that i have discovered has gi- always gives me joy so i didn't uh, i always wanted to make sure that i am utilizing the complete college experience that i can so that is why i also uh, i was engaged in academics i was engaged in volunteering i was engaged in research but yeah again all three of them was not done in parallel with the same intensity i always had priorities at different stages during my college uh, life you got a, you managed to all of that and still graduate that's a, i mean from my perspective that's a big fail so we were talking about your uh, your your research experience your co-curricular activities and your academics uh, in your undergrad do you say that your experiences as uh, your experiences doing research and doing extracurricular helped you to do the ps2 phd program directly at texas a&m or did it had that did it had any influence there yeah means uh the main uh, motivation so okay i always wanted i was always sure that i wanted to go for a higher degree i never wanted to restrict myself to just a bachelor's and uh, i was uh, i was sure that after graduating from college 
I will be working for two, two and a half years and then I'll go for a master's. I was never sure about PhD. So when I started working and I was uh, working in, uh, I was working in a general contracting firm back in India. I was working as a tunnel engineer, as an execution engineer, let me put it that way. I was in the field 12 hours a day, six days a week and God knows what. And uh, then I started, uh, the motivation started coming in that I should really pursue higher education. Means although I had that uh, decision made, but that decision strengthened to, that decision regarding pursuing higher education strengthened because I saw that if I restrict myself to a bachelor's, uh, I will be, this is what will be my playing ground. And I wanted to uh, use my potential for something means let me put it that way i i could f- sense that i have potential for something better okay hmm. or something else not be- better is a wrong word for something else okay uh, other than the 12 hour contracting job that you did for a contractor six days a week in the field right uh, so that really pushed me that uh, i have to apply for graduate school and I think it is that uh, experience of being in the field six days a week, uh, 12 hours a day that really uh, motivated me and I think molded me to believe, make, believe myself or have this belief in myself that I can do a direct PhD because how tough can, we, can a direct PhD be in comparison to this? Wow. So that's the... Uh, so- so what's your story from like, okay, you graduated, you were working for a contractor for 12 hours a day, six days a week. And uh, you, you said like you wanted to, you wanted to play on a different playing field than yes. you're, than you're currently playing at. So what did you do? Like, uh, just go through your timeline so that people can know, know your experience and things that you did that you liked and some things that you think was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, means as far as things I shouldn't have done, I don't have uh, those regrets. Okay, that's good. I I firmly believe that I have always uh, made the best choices that were available to me. And going, entering a general contracting firm, working for a general contracting firm was my choice. It was entirely my choice. Nobody forced it on me. So if I have to go uh, chronologically... So I graduated from my undergraduate uh, college in 2016, uh, June, and then it started and I got into the company or I got the job through campus placement. Back in India, we had this concept of campus placement where companies come to college campuses uh, to hire students in their final year. So I got a job, I secured a job through those campus placements. And then I started working for uh, uh, this uh, this company like roughly uh, in July 2016. Yeah, I I remember it was one week before my birthday. Yeah, 11th of July, I still remember that day. (laughs) So I started working for this uh, organization and then uh, I, and I am not lying when I'm saying that I I really enjoyed working there. Means because it was my choice and I was doing everything on, on my own terms, that helped me enjoy the experience. I, the first year was, a training experience where you go through you you are posted on a site uh, like on a construction site but you go through the different departments in that 
side like you go to planning department you go to the quality department the planning department does scheduling of the project and stuff like that the quality department they do the quality testing of your concrete and stuff like that so we rotated around these different departments for one year and the project which i was uh, sent to the construction site that project was very interesting okay. so it was uh, india's first underwater metro tunnel oh wow yeah and the project was very exciting in itself and as fate would have it it was in calcutta i was back in west bengal <laughs> so but but still i really liked the project so after the completion of the one year training period i had specifically asked to be posted in the same project but as a tunnel engineer i wanted to work in the tunnel as an execution engineer because that really fascinated me okay and when i was uh, after the one year of training i worked for one and a half years as a tunnel engineer for the first part of the tunnel engineer uh, role i was basically looking into uh, these machines like i was basically in charge of execution works that was carried out through these machines which are called tunnel boring machines so they are you usually uh, they bore a certain section of the earth and then place a precast concrete ring around it and then they proceed so that is how uh, they function the first few i think first month or two months i was just looking into the execution works of this tunnel uh, or the tunnel boring machine and then i started uh, my focus of work shifted although i was still inside the tunnel but now what happens uh, so basically these were two parallel tunnels okay one was going in one direction and the other was in the reverse direction okay and for safety reasons these tunnels need to be connected at different paths right like you we need to have perpendicular connections to these parallel tunnels for safety purposes say suppose if a uh, metro if uh, for that matter if, if nobody knows what a metro anybody doesn't know what a metro is metro is Uh, a, a form of public transport which is a high speed rail if you might call it right so say suppose the rail or the train in one of the tunnels some uh, something happens and it malfunctions and it stops and to safely evacuate the passengers from one tunnel to the other we have this cross passages which are these connections perpendicular connections between those parallel tunnels right so after two two months of working uh, or looking into the execution of the tunnel boring machine i was uh, shifted to looking into these cross passages right and when i started working for uh, started looking into these cross passages i really enjoyed that experience as well uh, so f- if i have to go a bit technical before we started uh, building those cross passages we had to stabilize the soil right. so that uh, it doesn't collapse once we start the digging so my main uh, focus area was soil stabilization soil right. stabilization between the two tunnels right. and then we uh, used cement grouting to stabilize the soil and that experience was very good means I, i really enjoyed that experience i uh, i learned that I learned a lot i learned a lot from that experience as well i learned how to manage people because there were people working under me i had a not so good boss i learned how to tackle that as well or navigate that as well so that was a very good learning experience and i i knew i learned a completely new thing which is not taught in the textbooks that is what also excited me so let me just hold you right there so 
this is a really interesting question and I like to ask everyone their experience. How, what do you think uh, your undergrad coursework uh, and your experiences in university prepare you for the work? Did it, did it do like 10% prepare you or 90% prepare you or 50% prepare you for the work that you did after you graduated? Okay. Means, uh, I have a slightly different opinion on this than the common, uh, what a commonly held belief. So for me, the purpose of education, so once uh, the higher level of education a person attains, the only thing that it does was make is that it makes you aware of so many things that you don't know. Okay. Means the more knowledge you gain, the only thing you gain is there is so many things left for you to know so i think it is i will i will not uh, I, I think it is the f- shortcoming of uh, our education system which portrays engineering as a course that this is what you study and then you have to use this in your job but engineering as a profession has been carried on for ages unknown right. like you have the great uh, pyramids in egypt they are engineering marvels so many years of engineering you cannot learn in four years right and it's a constantly evolving field as well right so i think the best thing that the engineering education did to me was made me prepare to accept or to be open to more knowledge Okay, that's that's what you learned uh, in your undergrad, and that's what helped you. Yes. So I, as I, uh, means okay, I, I'll again digress a bit here. Okay. So people talk a lot about Socrates. Right. People say that Socrates was so knowledgeable, right. and uh, yeah, that he contained so much, he had so much knowledge, so so much wisdom, and when people used to approach Socrates. And people used to uh, applaud him for his knowledge. Socrates used to say that the only thing that this much knowledge has done to me is made me aware of things that I don't know. Okay. And Socrates used to mock at the people that you are fools who think that I am knowledgeable. (laughs) So I feel that education or learning in itself is uh, something which will never stop, especially in a career like engineering. If you really want to be an engineer, a good engineer, learning can never stop. You cannot assume that this is this is four years of engineering and this is eight, my learning stops here. That is not how engineering works. You have to be open to learning. Okay, that's uh, that's a very valuable lesson. Uh, but I just want to press on this, uh, this mm-hmm. specific question that I have is, did the coursework that you you went through did that help you practice engineering or your experiences outside of your coursework helped you practice? So that's, that's just what, yeah, I just wanted to, wanted you to explain that, that part, like. Okay. So, uh, now uh, again, uh, when I was studying engineering, uh, like when I was in the under, in undergrad, we were not, uh, usually, um, taken to the field or to, to the site to see how a construction site functions. Now, had I been working in the quality department, like people who test concrete samples, 
then I feel, then I hundred and ten percent believe that the education which I gained or the coursework which I had taken in uh, my undergrad that will help me. Had I joined a design firm where people design structures, I certainly believe that the education that I gained in college would have enabled me to gain more knowledge. But just because of the fact that I got into a role which was not taught to me doesn't mean doesn't undervalue the level or undervalue the education that I received in college. Okay, uh, I I think I, I I got my answer. It's like yeah, it was your the experiences that you learned or the education that you got in in your undergrad was was fairly significant and is significant to people practicing engineering. It, it is still significant to me right now. Okay. Like uh, <laughs> again, I think by the by the by now the listeners might understand that I am a quotes person. So here is, a, here is a disclaimer on another one. Albert Einstein had once said that uh, education is what remains when a person has forgotten everything they learned at school. <laughs> so that is what my whole point is. Means uh, I think we are too rigid in that this is the coursework, this is what I need to do, this is what will help me. The coursework is enough is making you stand on your own feet to gain more knowledge. I think that is how where the perspective needs to change. So now I think uh, where we where where we were at was um, we were like we were talking about the the access tunnels and soil stabilization using cement grouting. So, so what's your story from there to Texas A and M? Yeah. Okay. So again. As I was mentioning that I, I really enjoyed the experience, that I was, I was learning a lot. I was learning so much about tunneling. I was learning so much about soil stabilization. I was learning about different aspects of life. I was learning about managing people. But I had this, uh, as I mentioned, I had this resolve that I want to pursue a higher education. And that resolve was strengthened by uh, when I started working. Although I was enjoying the work I was doing, but I knew that I could not continue doing this for the rest of my life. That I had that clear image in my mind. I'm not demeaning any sort of work. Every sort of work is important. I just had this understanding that uh, although I'm enjoying it currently, but I want to, I might not be able to do it for the rest of my life. So that uh, helped me. I was, and then, uh, when I was working back in India, I started uh, I, I started meeting uh, a person who then turned into my mentor. And he has had a huge role in me uh, ending up at A&M. Like he, he was the one who first pointed it out to me that I should be going for a PhD and not just a master's. Okay. Yeah. And he saw more potential in me than I saw in myself so and being in constant touch with him I'm still on I'm still in touch with him but not as regular but I shall remain uh, grateful to him for as long as I live because it is under his mentorship and guidance that I was able to navigate the challenges of applying to a grad school 
in the U.S. Okay. Uh, if if okay, if if he's listening to this one, uh, I, I think the per- person would know who he is. And Ro- Rohan is really thankful, thankful to you. And yeah, if you if you want to mention name and give him a shout out, feel free to do that. But if not, if you want to keep it private, that's totally fine with me. I, I'm okay. I hope he is okay with me taking his name out loud. So his name is Dr. Himadri Guha. He uh, he did his undergrad from back in uh, back in India. It's a college. It was a college called B B E College Shippur. Now it is I A E S T Shippur. He did his bachelor's from there. He did his master's from my undergraduate college, and then he came to the U.S. He did. I think he did his master's from Ohio State. He and then he did an MBA from uh, U.S. And then he went back to India. He did a PhD in engineering, and then he did a PhD in management. And now he owns a firm. Now he's now I think uh, he's quite happy where he with where he is. And he, he really does this uh, selfless service of mentoring people. So I, I am not one exception that he has mentored. Um, uh, mentored. He has mentored a, multi, a bunch of people. And I, I really salute the selfless service that such people have in them that enables us, people like me, to stand where we are today. Okay, yeah, that's that's a really good shout out. And I would also like to thank him. Like if... For, for his suggestion to Rohan. If he hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't have met him. So uh, thank you. Thank you for that. And I feel like you learned a lot more than just a mentorship at that. Like looks like getting a lot of degrees, helping people out and doing a lot of mentoring and volunteering activities. It's like, yeah, he rubbed up uh, pretty much a lot more, yeah. a lot more than, than just uh, simple mentoring. So yeah, um, I, so that's uh, so we are at Texas A and M right now. Uh, that's that's what made you decide uh, not just get your masters, mm-hmm. but just go to a directly PhD program. Mm-hmm. How different it it is like uh, than applying to a regular MS program? That's because that's what a lot of people typically do is get your undergrad, work for a few years, or just directly apply to an MS program here and do. That. How different is it? Yeah, so a part of the reason that I was involved uh, in some research experience in undergrad was because I had this understanding that I want to come to the U.S. And uh, I'll clarify on that more. Uh, So graduate schools, good graduate schools in the U.S., they really appreciate if uh, students have some sort of a research experience even in their undergrad. So that is one of the things which uh, prompted me to pursue research in undergrad. So for uh, if you want to do a master's, I am not quite sure how important is that research experience. But uh, if you want to do PhD from, like if you want to get into a direct PhD from a good graduate school, good school, good school in the US, I, I do feel, and this is all, during the mentorship I have learned, I do feel that uh, stress is paid on a lot more than just your uh, CGPA or your grade point in undergraduate. So if I have to list out the different things which I had to do for getting into a direct PhD, so uh, 
when i was in undergrad i had just uh, one publication just uh, one so and under the under uh, dr guha's mentorship i published two more papers oh wow and then i had taken i think three certification exams like uh, two of them were in uh, c++ uh, he had uh, mentored uh, he had suggested it to me that uh, coding as a skill uh, is really well is currently really being valid upon and there will be much more stress being paid on this in the future he he was uh, i believe he still is of the opinion that ets the service which conducts gre they might as well start their own coding skills exam sometime soon so i don't know if that's happening but uh, i wouldn't be surprised if that happens someday so he had suggested me that uh, if since you're applying for a phd it is important that you need to have a broader skill set you need to have skill sets that uh, uh, that will appeal to faculty members okay so just for the reference well before you joined the grad school you had three papers and three certifications and that's that's how you made your profile to apply to grad school right yeah means although i might uh, I, i might mention that i did start a bit late on the journey to apply for grad school like i was already working when i started applying for graduate school and as i mentioned like it was six days 12 hours six days a week 12 hours a day it was very difficult to manage all this during that uh, working schedule as well I, i wish i had started preparing for graduate school earlier i would have had a better profile although although i tell that i have three publications the three publications are very substandard publications those are like yeah means i, I should not be telling further but those are very substandard publications but that that was just to showcase um, so showcase my ability as a researcher in my profile that people who are will who will be looking in my looking in my profile looking at my profile they will be able to understand okay he has uh, this person has some research uh, skills yeah something is always better than nothing so yeah that's that's really impressive i mean i could really count the number of people that i know who had some some research experience as well as published something in an undergrad so that's that's really fascinating so and uh, i mean i have to mention this um the way i met rohan in 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 texas a&m texas a&m was through one uh, one of the civil engineering civil and environmental engineering graduate student association so i i wanted to do something that was completely out of my comfort zone i never did that ever in my life that was the first time i ever joined an organization that's how i got to meet him and he i'm glad you joined the organization i got to meet you amit yeah i mean yeah that's that's yeah, i think that's that's a good hindsight that 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 we have yeah so and your profile really impressed me i'm like the the amount of work that you do uh, and uh, I mean the different activities that you do from juggling your uh, your academics uh, juggling uh, juggling your let me see okay so juggling your education classes your research and your service and volunteering so that's that's uh, that's a handful so 
just just give give uh, the audience an an overview of your of your life as a as a student who's taking classes and and then we'll, we'll go to research and services uh, on the next part. Let's start with how how was it how is your experience if you're still taking classes and um and don't forget to mention the degrees that you that you're pursuing so that's pretty fascinating okay so yeah <laughs> if I, I if i say it out loud it might appear that i am bragging about myself but uh, i am currently like uh, pursuing a phd in civil engineering i am doing a masters uh, in computer science i am also doing or pursuing a graduate certificate in geographic information sciences this is as far as education and academics is concerned i am majorly involved with two student organizations uh, on campus and for both with both of them i have been involved for four years and this is my last <laughs> I, one of the student organizations I am involved in is uh, graduate and professional student government. So we are a student government which look into or advocate for the voices of some 20,000 graduate and professional students at Texas A&M. I currently serve as the speaker and executive vice president of uh, the student government. And I also have the honor of serving as the president of the Civil and Environmental Engineering Graduate Student Association. Uh, we as a student organization where I happen to meet Amit, uh, we, our aim is to bridge the gap between faculty, staff and the graduate students in the department. So when, it, uh, when you're asking me the question as to how I manage uh, all of this, Amit, let me put it out uh, right at the front, uh, right in front is I'm a very asocial person. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a surprise means the amount of social interaction that you have seen me doing is via the student organizations right apart from that i am not that much of an outgoing person so but i but i don't want to give that impression to people that i don't like meeting people it's not that okay it is just i think maybe my personality type that i really w- want to establish some connection while meeting people so and the best way that i have uh, come across is volunteering for these student organizations they help me in different ways like first of all they help me like as i mentioned earlier being a part of something which is bigger than myself right like it just is a constant reminder that uh, the world is much bigger than me and I am not at the center of the world. Right. I, I, I feel that is a very important reminder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also it helps me meet people. Like uh, I really like meeting people, learning from them, uh, listening to them. So when I, when I am part of these groups, part of the student groups from people across campus, like I have had the good fortune of meeting people from School of Architecture or the School of Public Service, the Bush School of Public Service, if I was not involved in the student organizations, I would not have met them. Right. So these served me multiple purposes. And uh, just just to finish up on that, and as I had mentioned that uh, 
uh, when I was working, I was working, in, they were like uh, unhuman hours. And uh, there was a particular stretch I remember during the two and a half year stint uh, where I was working continuously, I think, for three weeks. Wow. And it was like, even the Sundays were not off. And I was going to work at uh, 8 a.m. and coming back at 1 a.m. Oh, wow. Yeah. So these 21 days I had done that. And those things, and I have uh, those things, and I have also seen the the life of people who were working with me, especially the the workers who were on daily wage. Right. And th- that always uh, gave me a perspective and still gives me a perspective that my life is much better than so many people around the world. And it just wants me to, that, that's, that, is, that is what enables me or makes me want to do something and give back to the community I'm part of. Wow, that's, that's a really noble uh no, no, noble feeling that you have, and I think we need a lot more people uh, with with the thoughts like that. Uh, not noble well. enough. I'm mean, not. I'm not doing enough. I feel sometimes. I mean, that's 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 good. That's good. That that's that what motivates you to do do more and get you awake and off from the bed uh, in the morning. Uh, so that's. I mean, that was pretty much the summary uh, of, I mean, you, you gave a, a good overview of what you do at, at Texas A&M, not, not just a PhD student, but um, a lot more service and uh, to a lot more service. So let, let, let us go uh, to, the, to the first one that, that you mentioned. So you're, you're doing a PhD and you're pursuing computer science and uh, and doing a certificate in GIS or Geographic Inf- Information Systems, uh, commonly known as GIS. H- how does that work? Like, if someone wants to do similar things or exactly follow your path, what would you say to that person? And how would someone who's looking to pursue PhD get a, a degree like that or a profile like yours? And and what's the benefit? Like, why why did you do that? So, uh, as far as the benefit is concerned, Amit, uh, as in when I started doing research in my PhD, I started having this realization that uh, as uh, in order to combat the most pressing issues of our current times, uh, an interdisciplinary approach is really important. Like, uh, I, I don't, I feel that it is not sufficient for civil engineers to just work with civil engineers. I think it is important for people from people with multiple skill sets to work together to solve the world's problems. The biggest of them being climate change. Right. So, and uh, my current research revolves slightly around climate change as well. Uh, we can get into that a bit later. But as you as you were saying that what someone needs to do. If uh, someone wants to, I wouldn't say have a similar profile because uh, I do. I personally feel that everybody is its own individual. Everybody should have their own instincts and own guiding light. But my only recommendation or the thing which I have been always uh, wary of or always been careful about is uh, I need to be open to experiences. I cannot be rigid. Like... Uh, I, I uh, when I started my PhD at A and M, my professor had asked me to take a few courses in computer science, okay. that would help me in my research. 
my professor basically wanted me to improve my coding skills okay. so i took a few i took one course uh, in the very first semester of my phd and then i started enjoying the classes I really enjoy classes to be honest means uh, I keep doing online courses here and there as well just because I enjoy doing classes so I I really enjoyed the experience and then I kept and those computer science courses they presented a different sort of challenge and although when you when I was in the grind of those challenges they seemed <laughs> like it was a big everest to climb but once you are you are you have climbed that everest or once you have overcome that challenge then it's a great satisfaction and uh, so i just enjoyed that started enjoying that challenge as well and i started taking more courses in computer science which uh, were not necessarily required for my research so uh, just to give a brief uh, like why i started doing that because i was a direct phd student i had to take more courses than a normal phd student would uh, normal phd student at anm in the civil department at anm needs to take eight courses i had to take 16 courses to complete my phd and i was of the view that i would rather do something which is new and i'm enjoying the challenge rather than take all the courses in civil engineering so i was just open to that experience and again uh, it was because of my involvement with the student organizations that i was i suddenly came to the realization or i suddenly met someone who was doing a phd and a masters they were doing a phd in materials engineering and a masters in computer engineering and then i asked that person that uh, how did you do it and that person kind of guided me and told me this this is what you need to do and uh, by the time i decided that i have to take I, I, that i might as well apply for a masters in computer science i had already taken six courses in computer science and for doing a masters you require 10 so i was like four more courses why not let's go for it wow that's uh, that's a that's a quite challenge and yeah i hope you enjoyed the experience i think you st- do you still have more courses to take yeah i still then? have uh, one more course to take in computer science i'll be taking that uh, soon Okay. Well, that's uh and that's not easy. I mean, with um with uh with a lot of things going on. So, how how different is it for a civil engineer to take uh, a computer science course and um and I mean, obviously pass it. Like you just have one more that means you pass nine classes. Mm-hmm. So, what if someone's doing that like an average civil engineer, what what should he or she be should know about? when taking those courses how different is it from our typical courses that we take uh now personally i have found the computer science courses more challenging than the civil engineering courses and that might as well be because i have a background in civil engineering and not a computer science but i did have a good background in coding like as i mentioned that i had two certifications in coding before i joined texas a&m and in my high school as well i was uh, quite good at uh, coding at computer programming if like i i think the biggest obstacle when it comes to like for someone uh, let, let me in this particular example from for a civil engineer to take a uh, civil engineering student to take classes in computer science i think the biggest uh, hurdle there is uh, 
लाइक वी आर टू मच इन टू इन आर कम्फर्ट जोन आई फील लाइक आई थिंक दी एबिलिटी टू गेट आउट ऑफ द कम्फर्ट जोन और द विलिंगनेस टू गेट आउट ऑफ द कम्फर्ट जोन दैट इज वॉट इज मोर इम्पॉर्टेंट आई आई वुड नॉट बी सेंग दैट समबडी नीड्स टू गेट दिस स्किल और बी प्रोफिशेंट इन दिस स्किल टू गेट इन टू कंप्यूटर साइंस कोर्सेज आई हैव मेट पीपल हु हैव हु आर इन पब्लिक हेल्थ बैकग्राउंड बट दे हैव टेकन कोर्सेज इन कंप्यूटर साइंस सो आई वुड इन से दैट यू रिक्वायर दिस सेट ऑफ स्किल्स आई थिंक इफ यू हैव द विलिंगनेस और इफ यू इफ यू हैव द विलिंगनेस टू मूव आउट ऑफ योर कम्फर्ट जोन पुट इन द एक्स्ट्रा यार्ड एंड लर्न समथिंग न्यू आई थिंक दैट शुड बी सफिशियंट Okay, so it's not impossible for us civil engineers to who have as undergrad in civil engineer to take or to get get your master's in civil engineering along with your PhD. So it's it's not it's not a it's not a big stretch, and it's uh, yeah you have to put in good good amount of hard work, but it's still possible. And so I think there might be people uh, who might be interested in reaching out to you. So do you mind if I put in your Uh, email address in yeah, the sure, notes sure. yeah so yeah feel free to reach out to him if you have any more questions or any specific questions about uh civil engineering students doing a phd and also getting a degree in computer science and just to note out that he is uh, also an international student so that's one more bar uh, uh to 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 hop on or just pat, like just jump off so so he'll be a good uh, resource person to to do that yeah feel free to reach out to him uh try to do my best yeah yeah so and and what about gis so yes so that is uh, another uh, okay <laughs> so in my first semester itself i took a course in gis and uh, it, it is a, it was a course offered by the civil engineering department and i really enjoyed that course i really liked that course and somehow i was i don't know how but i uh i i fell across, i came across this web page or this website uh which was something about the certificate in geographic information sciences and then i was like i, I just read the web page and i just read the requirements and i was like hmm let me do this as well <laughs> because the because gis is again something which i really enjoy and i was always of the view i might as well take courses in something which i enjoy rather than just filling in the requirements so i am doing those courses uh, as a part of the certificate as well as it will be a part of the required courses in the phd program so yeah means i i, I just that is what i keep uh, repeating i think people are bored of listening to this but need to be open to experiences you need to be flexible means we cannot be too rigid that's that's one of the biggest lessons uh, people listening should learn from rohan is is yeah you need to be open to new challenges uh, new experiences um just uh, just to add uh, or our ask question uh, on that so so this is just a hypothetical question uh would your experiences in taking different courses be different if you hadn't gone the like from undergrad to phd uh or like if you had done your master somewhere and you 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 came here uh, as a phd student would your experience be different or would be different or you'd be you probably be taking the same path what do you think yeah that's that's something i never uh, thought about 
because I don't usually think about would be and could be. Uh, but on that note, uh, means I, I'll, I'll digress a bit and I'll 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 mention it to you, Amit. Means although I have this uh, uh, inclination as of now, it is not a co complete resolve. But I have this inclination that I might as well go for a PhD in computer science sometime. So wow. uh, I personally don't think uh, that the yeah the challenges would have been different had I had a master's earlier and uh, just doing my PhD the challenges would have been different in the sense that I would have required I would have been required to take additional courses like so currently what I have done is uh, just to help the listeners understand so direct PhD is 96 credits right we have to fulfill 96 credits and just a plain uh, just a PhD after your master's is 64 credits what I have done for myself is I have just converted 30 of the 96 into a master's in computer science so effectively I am just doing 96 credits but in those 96 credits I am just managing those 96 credits such that I do these three things had I just been a, a PhD, just a plain PhD with 64 credits, I would have required to take 30 credits additionally. So I would have required to take 90, 94 credits, which I'm anyways doing. Right. So, so the reason for my question is, um, if someone who has a master's and requires just 64 credits to get his or her PhD, would it be possible to do what you did? Yeah, it is possible. And now again, see, there are certain I, I, there are certain universities which allow double counting of your courses. Like you can use the same course for two degree plans. Texas A&M doesn't allow that. Or the state of Texas doesn't allow it. Let me put it that way. Let me not blame everything on Texas A&M. The state of Texas doesn't allow that. So what I mean by that is, say, suppose I'm taking a course in computer science. I have to use that course in either my degree plan for civil engineering or my degree plan for computer science. I cannot use it for both. Okay. But uh, I think Penn State, that is just one example I know, don't quote me that that is the only university which allows that. But I think Penn State allows double counting of courses such that you can use the same degree, or same, sorry, same course for both the degrees. Okay. So in that way, you can effectively get a master's and a PhD for just 64 credits. Well, so that's for some prospective PhD students in the U.S. That's a that's something you it's it's good to think about and and prepare ahead of time. Uh, so, yeah, that was a really an eye-opening moment for me, uh, and I wish I had known that three years ago. So, so that's uh, so let's let's go about your your service. So, mm -hmm. so how's your experience? Uh, like looks, like, I mean, from your resume, it looks like you started your volunteering activities as a member of SIGSA or Civil and Environmental Engineering Graduate Student Association. Mm -hmm. So, how is and you're a president there right now? So, how how has been your experience starting as a member and going all the way up to president? And what has the organization done uh, from your perspective? And what has it changed? Yeah. Okay. So, again, here is a quote alert couple of quote alerts so Mahatma Gandhi had once said that the best way to know yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others wow okay and Aristotle had once said knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom so I I would like to believe that I have grown wiser through these uh, service commitments like I really uh, 
of course there have been targets which we have not been able to achieve uh, like uh, i i have i wished that our the departmental graduate student association had a better uh, more firm standing in the department uh, and uh, that we would have uh, been uh, we would had i i, I wish people would have uh, listened to us better with a better of more firm standing i don't want to name people out here but i believe uh, everything you dream of uh, you don't achieve everything you dream of but uh, one thing which i am certain of is uh, i have done my best in these organizations i have done my best in giving graduate students in the departments a platform and avenue so uh, like there have been so so many things amit which happen uh, like behind the scenes or which are very uh, intangible like in one of the recent events which we were having uh, we were uh, the welcoming the new graduate students like there were one of the graduate students who just approached me and asked for my opinion on doing a campus job along with taking courses and i personally told them that uh, although you might feel the uh, feel the pressure right now but it will eventually help and later on like 6 months afterwards i again asked them that how is the experience and they are saying that thank you for the advice it helps help me so i think there are a lot there are a lot of examples like these where i have impacted people on a one on one basis but uh, i have not been able to achieve the impact that i would have liked to like i would i would have uh, liked to be a more stronger advocate for graduate students like uh, with more visibility in the department so that uh, the graduate students know that if they have a problem whom to approach and then uh, people listening to us like if we have concerns uh, people should not try and shy us away they should be paying heed to us we are after all graduate students who do all the research for the department who aid all the faculty members bring in the chunk of money to the department and the university and uh, this is a this is a concern which uh, i have for the graduate students university wide that we graduate students are not given the credit or that we are due like uh, another example of it will be uh, during the pandemic when everything went online there are so many faculty members across the university who are not that technically savvy when everything had to move online it is their graduate students who had to work all night long to ensure that the classes do take place online over zoom and that there has not been one note of thanks from the university on that Okay, that's uh, that's something uh, that grad students contribute as a service uh, to the university. So, yeah, that's wow. But um, just 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 a point, uh, like, he, yeah, there are a lot of things that we can do, and there are things that we wished had happened. But you've started with something. Um, I mean, I, I guess the six that was formed. fairly recently yeah uh, I, i was i was a founding member of sixa yeah that being said i am very happy with the progress of sixa right means we are at a much better place right now than when we were at the beginning yeah. there are people who are knowing about us and pe- and people listening to us as well but uh, the targets were higher that is what i mean here yeah and there's still a long way to go and um, yeah and he's 
is uh, he's leading the ship right now, and uh, he has some targets, pretty good targets, and uh, I think someone who will take his helm after him would definitely uh, would carry those forward. I wish. Uh, I hope. I hope. I honestly yeah. hope for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the one organization that you work, uh, that you do your service in, and and uh, so the next is GPSG. So. Tell us a little bit more about what GPSG is, what it does, and what's your role there. So GPSG stands for the Graduate and Professional Student Government. Excuse me. It is a government, a student government, which advocates for the voices of some 20,000 graduate and professional students at Texas A&M. And I have uh, really had a wonderful time volunteering with uh, GPSG like I keep telling people that uh, volunteering with GPSG will remain a highlight of my graduate student life Uh, and I have met some wonderful people along the way I have been able to contribute to my community like uh, although again there are many ways in which I have been able to contribute uh, which are not very tangible Uh, one example of that would be Uh, like the International Student Services Office in our university, they are severely uh, understaffed. And what we had done was, uh, the last couple of years, we had this survey among the international graduate and professional students. And using the results of those survey, the ISS office had requested for additional resources to be given to them uh, since the students are not happy with the services. And although all the requests were not met, but some of the requests the university administration did meet and they were given additional staff. So our survey, and I would like to say that I did spearhead the survey efforts. So that is one intangible way that uh, the survey has affected. The other ways is, uh, I have been able to contribute to the graduate student, uh, graduate and professional student life is when the campus opened in fall, I believe 2022 or 2021 after after the pandemic, yeah. So there was a lot of uncertainty as to why everything is moving online now, uh, in person now, and why is the why is there no facility being extended for uh, Zoom or online uh, as far as the classes are concerned and research is concerned. So then we had uh, started. Uh, asking the university to provide certain stuff in uh, different classrooms and stuff like that. So one of the things, although it might appear to be a very small thing, but then after we had requested the university administration, they had started putting up uh, N95 masks and sanitizers in every classroom. Oh, that was because of yeah. the GPS. Yeah, that was yeah, that effort? was a yeah, resolution that we had written. Yeah. Wow. So that's something I I didn't know about, mm. or a lot of people. A lot of people like, don't know about. Don't yeah. know about, but yeah, that's that's a really great thing that you guys did. Again, uh, recently, uh, on one of the bus routes, uh, the on one of the uh, campus bus routes, we had specifically requested an additional stop being added to help students. Uh, that stop will enable students get more easily to other parts of town. So that, again, that stop has been added due to the constant advocacy efforts of GPSC. Wow. So GPSC does a lot, a lot of work in helping students, not just graduate students from, from what, what you say. It's, it's like it helps graduate students as well as undergraduate uh, students. Undergraduate students and, uh, and you 
deal with day-to-day problems and, um, um, and take them up to the university administration and, and, and solve those issues. That's Yeah, we try to do our best. Yeah, I, Again, uh, I believe like if there are graduate students in the U.S. who are listening to this, uh, uh, they would understand when I say that uh, we graduate students are really not paid our due. Like uh, we are always... Now, the, the, the term I'm going to use that might be strong for someone's liking, but I, I believe we are always treated as second-class citizens. And, uh, yeah, despite doing all the uh, donkey work for the university, doing research, conducting classes and everything, mentoring undergrads. So, yeah, I, I, I hope that uh, someday university does recognize uh, graduate students efforts yeah graduate students are are like the blood uh, of the university yeah we just we're not just students and uh, taking classes we do a lot of service a lot of mentoring activities and uh, a, a lot of help or support to, to 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 professors teaching teaching the undergrads so that that was that that was like a good introduction to your service. So, I mean, uh, let's let's talk about your research. So, as a PhD student, that's I mean, that's what will will help you graduate. That's or prime focus, yeah. That that's your prime focus. So, and I think we we haven't talked about that for the last half an hour. Um, so, what is your research, and uh, what are you trying to get out of it? Yeah. Okay. So. My research is, uh, if I have to broadly term my research, the category of my research, it is uh, AI-assisted disaster management. And the specific kind of disaster that uh, we are looking into is uh, flash floods. Now, uh, a proposal that uh, my professor had submitted in the preliminary research of that proposal, we had found that flash floods are leading to more fatalities injuries and damage as compared to any other uh, disaster, natural disaster in the US. So the proposal that my professor had written, uh, it was uh, that he had written that along with several things, one thing we will be trying to do is trying to understand as to why flash floods are leading to so many fatalities and injuries and stuff like that. One of the main, uh, one of the other parts of the proposal was to develop a micro database for past flash flood events like although we do have uh, databases which exist publicly access databases which exist but those databases usually are uh, because they cover so many disasters like they have every kind of disaster listed in them the details are not very are not sufficient so in order to better understand the flash flooding phenomenon previous researches or previous studies have highlighted the importance of having more detailed data available and uh, this data, we have been targeting the internet as to how to retrieve or how to how to re- basically retrieve this data. So in, in the pursuit to develop that micro database, I have uh, currently, as of now, I have developed, you might call it a search engine, which uh, retrieves web pages which are relevant for past flash flood events. So in that search engine, what users will need to do is they will need to choose a location, location in the sense county and state, and a past flash flood event of date. And then that search engine will give you web pages for that particular flash flood event. 
Wow, it's like a mini Google. Yeah, you could you could say that. Okay, more focused on what you need and like uh, for a specific discipline, it's like a mini Google. Okay. Yeah, for for a more technical term of it, uh, it is a domain specific search engine. Okay, yeah. fancy. So, <laughs> do you think your your degree in computer science helped you do that of research? Course. Of course. Means as I mentioned earlier that my professor had asked me to take a few courses in computer science, which would aid me in my research. And uh, that has certainly, certainly aided me in my research, yeah. So from what I understand is your, your dissertation would be, would be, uh, would be, would be that search engine. And uh, so, so, so that how... search engine is one part of my uh, dissertation. Okay. So my uh, eventual goal of dissertation is developing that micro database. Okay. So the, using this search engine, now the second part of my thesis is... Um, unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, uh, we were not able to record the last uh, part of my conversation with Rohan. Definitely, this is not the last time I'll be talking with him. I'll definitely be uh, reaching out to him again and we'll definitely continue our talk about his research. Thank you so much for joining, joining me and Rohan in this talk. And you found this talk uh, interesting. I hope this talk would give you a good insight into what civil engineering is from from a uh, from Indian student perspective and how he started his undergrad and all the way up to his PhD. Uh, please let me know if you have any questions about this episode. Uh, feel free to reach out to me uh, using my email, LinkedIn, uh, or any other social media. Um, I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to me. Take care. Bye.